Welcome back to our podcast, Regulation Matters, A Clear Conversation. Once again, I'm your host, Lyne Dempsey. I'm currently the Chief Compliance Officer with Rickabenny Associates Family Dentistry here in North Carolina and Virginia, and I'm also CLEAR's President for the 2022-2023 membership year. As many of you are aware, the Council on Licensure Enforcement and Regulation, or CLEAR, is it's an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international and global community of professional and occupational regulation. This podcast is an opportunity for you to hear about important topics in our regulatory community. One current issue that a lot of states are dealing with is the need to reduce licensure barriers for military members, veterans, and military spouses. These are people who often move from state to state due to deployments, who have had experience in the field during their military career, but then find themselves having to start over to meet license requirements for civilian careers. A lot of licensing boards are asking, how can we make that process less burdensome? Joining us today is Andrew LaFrate. He is a deputy policy director with the Pennsylvania Department of State uh, to talk about one of their initiatives. So, Andrew, we're certainly glad to have you with us today. Ah, thanks, Lyon. I'm glad to be here. Um, thanks for the opportunity to discuss the work that we're doing here in uh, the Keystone State. Right on. Well, my parents are both from Pennsylvania, so I'm, I certainly have a connection there, too. Well, you know, as I understand it, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Department of State uh, developed a military occupational crosswalk um, to identify and relate civilian career opportunities and requirements to veterans' military experience. So let's let's talk about that. So I guess... Tell me a little bit more about that and maybe some of the challenges that the veteran community faces when, you know, attempting to even try to get a professional license. Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, here in Pennsylvania, we have one of the largest veteran populations in the United States. Um, In fact, we ranked fourth in the country in veteran population with nearly 850,000 veterans. um, And that constitutes about 8% of Pennsylvania's adult population. you know, and every day we enjoy the freedoms and safeties unique to the United States, and we do so because of the hard work of our veterans and uh, the uh, the families and, and the sacrifices that they make. Um, yet, there's often a struggle when obtaining a professional license um, so veterans and spouses can support themselves and their families. Um, you know, we've noticed after doing extensive research that uh, at least on the veteran side, applying for a professional license may be difficult um, as these individuals attempt to translate their military credentials and experiences that they gained during their time of service into civilian employment qualifications. Um, uncertainty with the skills translation and transfer transferability is often the major challenge um, for civilian employers and being able to locate suitable positions for veteran employees uh, in the workplace. So due to this ambiguity, veterans are often put at a disadvantage when competing with a comparably skilled person who has their training from the private sector. Um, we, you know, we, we mentioned military families. So even looking at military spouses specifically, you know, military families move across state lines uh, very often, uh, at an average of every three years, usually. Um, so these military spouses often struggle to find and maintain their employment due to these free, frequent moves. Most of them are mobile workers in the labor market, and that leaves them vulnerable to varying state licensure uh, requirements. The process often is expensive, 
it's repetitive, it's time consuming, and these regular moves uh, create a, a financial burden on these families. So um, doing any, anything to reduce the, uh, the amount of time to help with the portability of a license and to provide any you know, temporary licensure options or anything that can just help uh, get a military spouse quickly into the workforce um, you know, it, it are things that should be evaluated. Let, let's talk about this, uh, and I like the term, the crosswalk. So uh, tell me a little bit more about this military occupational crosswalk, and, you know, what the purpose behind it is and, and how it works. Yeah, sure. So we developed this military occupational crosswalk essentially to identify and relate civilian career opportunities and requirements to a veteran's military experience. And how we did that is we're in a unique position, I think, at least in our Department of State, um, that we are the uh, professional licensing arm of our state. I know in, in other states it's structured under perhaps a Department of Commerce or there is a specific licensing division um, within their states. But here in Pennsylvania, it, it's organized under our, our state department. So, you know, in addition to election administration, we also do professional licensing. So we have 29 different boards and commissions under the Pennsylvania Department of State that license nearly 130 different individual occupations. And this can range from, um, you know, healthcare licensees like a nurse or a doctor or a dentist. But then we also have business related licensees, such as an accountant or an engineer or a real estate person or, a, you know, a barber, cosmetologist. So what we did is we looked at all the initial licensure requirements, you know, that we had for the state and compared those qualification details to nearly 300 military occupations uh, um, uh, for, D or for Department of State licensure. Um, so we had 300, 300 related military occupations. 70% of those occupations that are featured in the crosswalk are within the healthcare field. And I think that's very important to state because, um, you know, the healthcare profession sort of took a beating over, uh, you know, the COVID emergency over the last few years. And I think a lot of states have experienced vulnerabilities in staffing those positions. So um, this was another tool that we can say, hey, you know, this can help bring in uh, individuals into our healthcare-related professions, qualified individuals that have attained their experience, education, and training uh, from the U.S. military. So within this crosswalk, we matched licensed professions that we administered to uh, relevant professions within uh, across all the branches of the military. So the overall purpose of the crosswalk is to relate uh, the skills, the credentials, education, anything that was obtained in the military uh, and to help our service members or veterans align those with civilian um, opportunities. And at the end of the day, the crosswalk helps determine which of those military occupations are deemed essentially substantial or deemed substantially equivalent to Pennsylvania's requirements for licensure. And if there is a gap, a, a skill gap or training gap, anything that um, exists um, by reviewing the crosswalk, um, between the civilian occupational licensure requirements and a veteran's current knowledge or skills, um, you know, that that's identified and that's another tool to help uh, the service member or veteran uh, sort of create their own roadmap of, hey, I'm right there, maybe I need, you know, a few more courses in this, uh, you know, whatever your specific field is, um, 
and then they they kind of have that that game plan of what they need to do uh, in order to gain civilian licensure. So it's not just starting all over from scratch, from square one after they complete their military service. You know, we're acknowledging their time in the military, what they uh, accomplished, and then we're just trying to get them over that finish line to becoming a fully credentialed licensed professional within our state. Andrew, I know you, you mentioned kind of the, the number of healthcare obviously being a large number and, and the pandemic having an effect on the ability for, for folks to, you know, you know, either find people to work or be able to deal with people that were dealing with burnout. What kind of inspired you for developing the, the, the crosswalk? Was it the pandemic or was it, what did you start that before then? That's a great question. Um, you know, we recognized there was a need to develop this crosswalk by hearing directly from our veterans and service members who expressed difficulty when attempting um, to translate their skills uh, and credentials into professional licensure requirements. Um, we found this out actually uh, during the pandemic for sure, but we, from the issues that were raised as a result of uh, you know the pandemic taking place, but also, um, Related but not related, I guess at the same time, we had issued a veterans licensure survey out to um, nearly 500 uh, veterans, military spouses, and service members across our state. And this was for individuals who are current license holders with us or who may have applied for a license with us in the past and you know they were denied for whatever reason. So we were able to um, find a really great sample size of, it, of individuals who were willing to step up and provide very honest um, feedback to us. Um, and, and that survey was really instrumental in us getting to, um, you know, the idea of creating this, this crosswalk. We had um, a lot of findings that came in and, and, and basically the, the two main ones that we took from it was, again, difficulty in transferring military credentials and experience into our occupational licensure requirements, as well as respondents coming through in this survey saying that acceptance of the military training and experience would be most beneficial to veterans. And we also found from military spouses that licensure fee waivers were most beneficial when obtaining a licensure. And that harkens back to when I was speaking earlier about the um, military families moving every three years. So doing this veteran study and actually hearing directly from the, the population really um, helped us out and really gave us a great perspective because, um, you know, as, as I've talked about this crosswalk and, and, and other um, avenues, you know, we know the licensing side of things here at Department of State. You know, we're the regulatory arm. We know, um, you know, what it takes to be a licensed professional. We know the practice acts. We know all the, all, all the guidance and what it is needed in order to um, to protect the public while also being able to promote the industry, right? But we didn't really know much uh, specific about these populations. So developing this research survey, getting this out to um, you know veterans and military spouses across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania was really helpful to get honest feedback and being able to know um, you know where we're at and what we're not doing to to help these people out but also what can we do to um to increase this and, and to 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 provide more assistance to this community that often gets overlooked when it comes to occupational licensure um so I, I, doing the survey was a really great 
um, tool and inspiration for us to kind of have the reasoning of like, hey, th this crosswalk is needed. This is something that's desperate, desperately needed and is asked for essentially by the public. Um, so we took that recommendation and we ran with it. Um, and, you know, now we're here at the finished product of it. So it's just really great to see it go from the whole life cycle, from just it being a concept that was born out of a, you know, a survey comment, essentially, and how we took that to heart and really ran with it, um, you know, and, and in a span of just a few years, we're able to create, um, you know, essentially this uh, database, if you will, but essentially just this, this information repository of what, um, you know, a veteran or a military spouse uh, needs to do to, to get to that level of, of civilian licensure. Well, that uh, I think you're starting to touch on something that I'm interested in. Um, how, how did this develop? Like, you know, uh, I guess, how has this crosswork developed over the, over the course of time? I understand the, the reason why you started it, but uh, what's happened since then? And, and then, and then maybe, with that, who who actually is is using the crosswalk? But let's start with first with the kind of how the development of this has kind of changed. Yeah, sure. So um, developing the crosswalk, um, you know, it it was a um, pretty lengthy process. I mean, this was about a two year effort. You know, just from and and if you count the survey itself, this would be about a three year effort because it was uh, you know about a year to develop the survey get comfortable on you know the questions that we wanted to ask actually administering the survey so collecting responses for about 6 months and then analyzing those responses as they came in we developed a veterans licensure report that was disseminated out to our general assembly as well as our executive office and secretary of state's office and governor's policy office here within uh within the state uh, it was sent out to other stakeholders like our uh, our State Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, our labor and industry folks, um, even our Department of Education, um, amongst other groups that um, interact with us basically on, on a licensure basis, but also um, interact with us in, in terms of representing veterans in that population. So there was a lot of stakeholders involved in, in getting that information out. Um, after we had the survey, you know, compiled and, and the findings and everything, um, you know, that was about a year. And then starting the crosswalk research itself, you know, first that started with compiling a list of all the applicable licensed professions that we regulate here in Department of State. And I mentioned earlier that touches about 130 different individual license types. Um, then we compiled the initial licensure requirements for those professions, which include, again, the education, examination, experience requirements that an application must attain in order to uh, be issued that uh, initial license. Um, you know, next, we researched various, um, they're called pool databases. They stand for Credentialing Opportunities Online Databases. Um, each service branch has one of these databases where you can find information about certifications and licensing, as well as the military experience training education to determine, uh, we use that information to determine which military occupations are related to the professions that we regulate. And we also went on the um, service branches websites, because even if you go on, on, on their websites, you can get the military occupational codes, you can get um, you know, the typical job duties, 
the education or training that they'll attain during the military service. Some uh, military professions require a degree. Um, other, others may not. Others may have just a combination of experience and military training. Um, we were able to find what the qualifications re were, are required to perform that role in the military if they had to pass an examination or if there's some sort of um, officer training that they must attain. Um, and then also we were able to find any related credentials that were offered by the specific service branch while um, while training uh the military applicant. Um, so, you know, there's certain credentials that are offered by each branch. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about like, you know, for accounting, there might be a, you know, a public finance sort of credential or some sort of man, uh, you know, financial management credential that is offered by the service branch. And that, you know, would go into the licensure consideration, um, you know, on the private side when our boards are looking at these things. Um, after we we compiled that information from the cool sites as well as from the military um from from directly from the, the military branch sites of, of each occupation we were I, we and when i say we i mean myself my policy team as well as the board councils for each of our 29 licensing boards and commissions um you know it was an agency wide effort to identify the military occupations that we felt are you know closely related to our civilian license types that we administer and locate the applicable military occupational codes for each profession and those codes can be easily found on uh, either the cool sites or on the military um, service branch websites themselves, like on those recruiting sites where they show the list of different professions that you can enter if you uh, sign up for a specific service branch. Um, so we compared those depart the department's initial requirements that we um, that we gathered very early on in the process to the, these requirements of each military occupational code that we researched and found um for those 300 military professions and we determine which military occupations would be considered uh substantially equivalent to our own state's requirements um after we did that um you know we identified skill gaps in training experience or education um, and that's noted in the crosswalk for certain professions so the crosswalk basically has i guess you could say two classes of professions you know there's there's certain um military occupations that, you know, basically good to go, you know, as long as you served in that role, um, you know, in the military, you, you have the education that the military asks of you, um, you know, and, and you have all, you know, the related examinations uh, passed that are needed for a license, then you're basically one for one, that applicant would be considered um you know, substantially equivalent, and they can be issued a license pretty quickly. Then there's a second class of uh, military, you know, applicants that may use this crosswalk. Um, and they may, depending on their experience, it's all case by case, right? And that's something that the, the, that the board reviews, but, you know, they may have, a, you know, some, a skill gap in their um, you know, in their resume, in their training education, um, you know, and that's something that they can look towards the crosswalk. And if that gap is identified, you know, it's noted where the veteran or service member should obtain these necessary qualifications prior to applying to one of our licensing boards for a professional license. Um, and then just to go back to your first question of 
um, who uses the crosswalk essentially, right? So the crosswalk is a resource that um, we hope, and, and we, we hope people are are using it in an education capacity, but we're hoping that it educates, you know, our state legislature, the General Assembly, as well as our licensing boards and commissions, all 29 of them, uh, the veteran service member um, community, as well as uh, public and private employers on how the military training and experience aligns with civilian education and work experience. You know, uh, obviously this is primarily a tool for the veterans, but we're also hoping uh, in an overarching way, it's a tool just for the veteran uh, stakeholder and employer community to kind of just bridge that gap and reduce that ambiguity that comes along with military training and experience and showing that, hey, you know, this is pretty comparable to training that you would receive on the, in the private sector or through, you know, the, the typical collegiate route that, you know, this, this is essentially the same training and, and, and education. And yes, there, there could be some small skill gaps or whatever, but there's no reason why a military applicant should have to start from square one when applying for a professional license when they've already essentially have done the job in oftentimes a more stressful situation uh, by performing that role in the military. Yeah, 100%. And I can certainly see this being a, a tool that the recruiters could potentially use too when uh, they've got, you know, a young individual in their office looking to sign up for the military and interested in different things of, hey, look, this also gives you uh, a, an education that will lead towards licensure um, in another state with a profession once you've finished everything. And maybe even hopefully the, you know, the military looks at the gaps that you're discussing there and maybe tries to fill those in down the road just to make that, that portability even more smooth. So I guess, how did you communicate this uh, the release of this crosswalk uh, to the stakeholders? Yeah, so we used uh, various methods to communicate um, out the launch of the crosswalk tool. Um, number one, and I, I mentioned them earlier, was uh, working with our partners within the Commonwealth at, at other agencies. So primarily, I'd like to give a shout out to our Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, DMVA, um, as well as our Pennsylvania Department of Education. Um, they were very helpful in spreading awareness, not only of the veteran survey, which was really the kickoff to all of this work, but also, uh, excuse me, spreading awareness to their um to the military uh, and service members community. Um, and also, especially DMVA was very helpful in giving us really um, concrete feedback on, on the, the crosswalk tool itself, but also getting it in front of uh, a group of veterans to use it in, in a focus group capacity. And we were able to get some really good feedback directly from uh, individuals who would be uh, using the crosswalk. So that was very helpful for us. Um, we also utilized our, you know, our situation of being able to um, reach a large base of, of Pennsylvanians through our press releases and social media posts. You know, we obviously being a, a very, you know, high ranking state agency, you know, we have those communication tools available to us and we have that presence, uh, you know, within uh, the the online presence as well as social media presence. Um, you know, we promoted the crosswalk on our uh, on our own website as well as our, um, I guess, our, our e-licensing website, you can call it essentially, but, you know, having a link it to it on there. So if somebody 
you know, was just going directly right to our e-licensing website, they can see that this tool is available. And, you know, if they're a veteran or military spouse or service member, you know, and it, it was something they were unaware of, they can easily access it from there. Um, ourselves as a policy office, we've had several presentations to um, our licensing boards and commissions who have been really taken an interest in this tool. Um, you know, we've presented to the, the U.S. Department of Defense on this work. Um, we've had, you know, the, the platform here that Clear was able to give us to, to promote it has been very helpful, as, as well as just presenting it to our General Assembly and other agencies. So we're, we, we released this crosswalk in, um, in late January, early February of this year. And, you know, things have been really going well with it, but we're continuing just the sort of the rollout with it, uh, gaining awareness um, with it. And what we're hoping is, um, you know, to continuously have feedback and make this sort of a living document, right? So every, obviously every couple of years, we're going to have to go back and and fine tune and, and update things as either our licensing boards change uh requirements up or if we or if requirements are changed on on the uh the military uh side with with the service branches but you know and, and hopefully what we're uh we're hoping to gain more professions into the crosswalk eventually and maybe you know talk to the department of education to try to add teachers or to add some other professions um across the other agencies that that they oversee license and administer and include this into this um crosswalk tool well, this might be uh, too soon to ask this question, um, but, um, you know, have, have you guys just rolled this out within the last four or five months? Have you seen or noticed any type of impact? Like have, have license numbers increased specifically related to military or, um, you know, spouses of military? Have you have been able to track any of that yet? Yeah. So actually when, when, um, after we after we did the licensure study, um, we presented those findings to the General Assembly that I discussed, and, and we had our recommendations in there, and, and one of them was this military occupational crosswalk. So the the findings from the report were rolled into House Bill um, 1168 of 2021, uh, which eventually became Act 35 of, of 2022 here in Pennsylvania. And basically that bill um, had a few provisions in there. Um, it, it, it asks for the department to collect data on military applicants by asking them a question on the licensure application uh, if an individual is a military spouse or a veteran or a service member. So we're able to now collect that data. Um, and hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have better numbers on that. But also military spouse licensure fees on the initial side have been waived as a result of this work and, and, and this bill. So we've seen an immediate impact in that of military spouses are not facing the financial burdens that they once were um, by coming here to Pennsylvania. Um, also, all military applicants, spouses, service members, uh, veterans, uh, they all receive expedited licensure application reviews now. So as soon as they identify that they are in the, that target group of individuals, their licensure applications are pushed right to the top of the queue and are reviewed, um, you know, rather immediately. So it, 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 we, we've also seen that impact. Um, it's, it's just a great way to market ourselves here in Pennsylvania as we're 
open for business and we're open for military applicants to come here because we know, um, you know, A, we, we need to fill these vacancies that we have across the state um, and B, these are these are quality applicants that already have a lot of training and experience and, you know, are really good, you know, public citizens, but also are very well educated and very well trained and they're, they're, we're attracting them here into our state. You know, we don't really have hard numbers yet on how um, that's going, but we're hoping by the end of the year, we'll have some better numbers. Um, but just anecdotally, we're hearing back from our boards and, you know, uh, we've had veterans and, and military applicants call into the boards and, you know, even they're saying that they're experiencing less frustration when translating their military experience. Now, um, you know, they have the opportunity to be issued uh, a temporary license when they're um, trying to uh, fill in those skill gaps that are identified from, uh, from the crosswalk. Um, you know, and obviously the licensure fees have, have gone wave the waiving of the licensure fees has gone a long way, uh, for military spouses. And, you know, I think generally everybody overall is always happy when they have an expedited, uh, licensed application to be reviewed, right? Because that's always kind of um, something that all states are, are combating with is, is processing times for um, licensure applicants. So anything that we can do um, in that sense to get these people uh, quickly working, I think has been a positive experience overall. That's great. So um, I guess any advice you would give to uh, another jurisdiction or licensing organization that that's looking to develop, uh, you know, a crosswalk like this, any advice you have for them? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, you, you know, the, the biggest thing is just use your partners, you know, use your, your, your stakeholders and other agencies that are really um, that, that, that know the population, you know, I, I mean, again, I'm speaking from it from, you know, a group that we're just focused on the licensure side of things, um, you know, and, and other states may be in that situation, but yeah, always rely on, on your other, uh, on your other partners and stakeholders. They can really help you out and, and just trying to cast a wide net of getting different opinions um, and, and whatnot. And it's really gone a long way because we've had, you know, several, uh, renditions of this crosswalk over the last few years, we finally got to something that we were comfortable with. And, and this was because of, of having discussions with, you know, a lot of different agencies and, and just receiving that feedback. So that's where I would always point to is just trying to um, prepare by, you know, getting, getting, you know, whatever work that you're trying to do out in front of a wider audience before releasing it. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much. It's been grand to, to hear you, how your organization is implementing uh, this approach to, to kind of match military experience to licensure requirements. So, so thank you, Andrew, for, for speaking with us today. Yeah, thank you, Line. Um, it's been really great. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, if any other states or groups or jurisdictions have questions, you know, just please feel free to, to email me. I'd love to connect offline and we can uh, talk about how, um, you know, we can do this work in, in your state. Fantastic. Well, it's certainly been our pleasure. And uh, we'd love to also continue this conversation um, once the podcast is done. And, and here are some questions for our listeners to think about. Um, here's one. Uh, can you identify challenges that veterans and military spouses face when applying for professional license? Um, and then a second one is, do you think a veteran's education and experience attained during military service should be considered when they apply for a professional license? 
Um, we, we greatly appreciate and thank our members for your feedback. Uh, we've recently launched a new regulatory network platform, and questions like these will be posted there for member feedback and discussion. So if you haven't already joined the CLEAR regulatory network, we invite and encourage you to, to join and take part of the online discussions. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in for this episode. We'll be back uh, shortly with another episode of Regulation Matters, a CLEAR conversation. Uh, if you're new to the CLEAR podcast, please subscribe to us. You can find us on Podbean or any of your favorite podcast services. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a rating or comment in the app. Those reviews help us to improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. Feel free to visit our website at www.clearhq.org for additional resources, as well as a calendar of upcoming programs and events. Finally, I'd like to thank our CLEAR staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson. She's our content coordinator and editor for this program. Once again, I'm Lyne Dempsey, and I'm hoping to speak to you again very soon.